good morning, and we uh, want to welcome you uh, to our Sunday morning uh, live broadcast. We appreciate uh, those of you who are joining us uh, this morning by way of uh, Facebook Live or who have dialed in and are listening uh, through their telephone this morning. We welcome you, and we thank you for taking the time uh, to join us and to worship with us uh, this morning. We want to pray together now as we begin our service and ask for God's uh, leadership and his lordship over our lives as we respond to his word and to his invitation that he extends to us uh, today. So let's pray together at this time. Our Father, we thank you for the day that you have given. Uh, Lord, we are thankful for it. We're grateful. We're rejoicing in it. And God, we're glad for it. And Father, we pray that we will not miss any of the opportunities that are ours today as we have gathered with you and, Father, around your word. Father, we pray for those in our church family who are dealing with hardships and challenges. Lord, those who are facing physical adversity. Father, as we do each week and every time we have the occasion to pray together, we simply pray that your perfect will would be done in their lives. Heal, we're in accordance with your perfect plan and your will for their lives. Thank you for grace, God, that you have promised that is even in, and especially in physical adversity, uh, your grace will be sufficient to strengthen us and to help us through those challenging times. We pray for those who have suffered loss, God, even this morning. Uh, some in our church family have had close friends who are almost like family uh, that have passed away. We pray that you'll comfort them. And, Father, you'll strengthen them. We pray for a peace that passes all understanding uh, that can only be known through Christ that will rest upon their lives. Father, we pray for our church as we gather together today around your word. Father, you will challenge our hearts. And, God, I pray that uh, the testimony of Jonah, God, in, as, as a whole, will not be ours. That, Father, we'll not be reluctant in responding to your call upon our life to go and to tell the world, especially in these days, God, that Jesus Christ is the answer for all of man's problems. And Father, I pray that we'll be found faithful in these days. Our hearts will be found void of hatred and animosity toward those who believe and live and think differently than us. That, God, we will love sinners, and yet, God, we will hate sin. God, we'll tell people about your love and about judgment that's going to come if they don't turn and respond to the love that you demonstrated when you sent Jesus to die in our place. We pray for the one who's listening, who's never been saved. God, I pray they'll open their heart today and they'll let Jesus in and they'll experience firsthand what we have, that he's the answer for the longing of their soul, all the needs that they've ever had and ever will, that Christ is the answer. Bless this time. God, we pray that you'll be glorified through all that's done here and in every heart where someone might be listening today. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray and amen. You listen to Peggy now. She sings just that very truth that the answer is Christ.
has been and always will and that's the message that God has called and commanded the church uh, to share and to live out uh, in these days. Uh, be taking your Bibles, turn with me this morning to the Old Testament book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 1. Uh, we're going to read in verse number 1 this morning as we continue a study. We started several weeks ago uh, through the minor prophets. Jonah chapter 1, we'll begin to read in verse number 1. And for a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you on this subject, the reluctant prophet. The reluctant prophet. Jonah chapter 1, and we'll begin to read in verse number 1. And there the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God. And every man threw the cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do uh, to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest 
is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood for you. O Lord, for, O Lord, you have done as it is pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your Spirit would open our hearts this morning, God, whatever state you find them in, Father, that we might receive the the truth of these texts. God, I pray if there's any believer that has unconfessed sin in their life, Father, they'll deal with that and confess that, that they might be able to respond to you and your word appropriately today. Father, we pray for the one who's never been saved, that, God, you'll convict them, you'll draw them to your side today. And, Father, they'll trust Jesus to be Lord of their life. Father, I pray that you'll challenge your church today, every disciple, every person who can identify a moment in their life where they've repented and trusted you. Father, I pray you'll really challenge us today about where we are in faithfulness to Great Commission living. Father, I pray we'll search our hearts today for how we respond and really how we feel about people who think and who live differently than we do as we seek to live according to your word and all of its commands and precepts. Father, I pray if there's anything in our heart and life that's out of line with your word and the testimony and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, will turn from that today. And you'll have your way in us and through us. It's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. And amen. Well, as we've been going through uh, this study, uh, we've, we've been looking at the messages and the lives uh, of these minor prophets as God began to speak through uh, these men messages that he wanted his people and others to hear. Well, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And Assyria was an evil and a wicked nation. And they were also uh, a demonstrated uh, enemy of Israel. And though they were wicked and though they were evil and though they were a demonstrated enemy of Israel, still we know from Scripture in 2 Peter 3, 9, 1 Timothy 2.4, that God wants all people to repent. He wants all men to be saved. Uh, when he began his ministry through the life of Abraham in Genesis 12, God told Abraham in the very beginning, I'm going to make a great and mighty people out of you. I'll bless those that bless you. Verse 3, I'll curse those that curse you. And it's through you that all families of the world, all people will be blessed. It's God's desire that all people be saved. And that meant the Assyrians as well. And so God wanted Assyria to repent. And God called Jonah to go and to share that message with Nineveh, that he wanted them to turn from their sin and to follow him and to be submissive to his lordship. And so far in our series, uh, each prophet has been a picture of faithfulness as they have received God's message and they have shared God's message, whatever the consequences might be. God had a calling upon their life. They stepped away from whatever their life was, and they simply sought to be faithful to share every word that God wanted them to share. But that's not the case with Jonah. Though the others would faithfully shine the truth of God's word, Jonah was reluctant in that call and to do what God wanted him to do. And really, Jonah pictures every believer who identifies himself with Christ, but yet refuses to obey his great commission mandate. Four truths I want you to notice this morning about this reluctant prophet. Number one, I want you to see a forsaken call. A forsaken call. Look what the Bible says in verse number one. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. And so God spoke directly to Jonah. He had a mission that he wanted him to go on, and he had a message that he wanted to speak through him to the Ninevites, which was the capital of Assyria, but that all the Assyrians might hear it and respond. Verse number 2, he says, Arise and go to Nineveh. Uh, Literally, stop 
what you're doing right now. God had a specific time that he wanted this to accomplish, to be accomplished. And it was right now. Uh, he, though he called the, the nation of Israel to be a kingdom of priests, now he had a very special message, though, for Jonah and a message that he wanted to speak through him to the Ninevites. He says, stop what you're doing. Your central task is what I'm asking you to do. And he told him to go cry out against Nineveh. Verse 2 continues, go, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. God saw everything that they had done, how they had lived, how they treated other people in warfare. He saw all of these things, but yet he wanted Jonah to go and speak to them. Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's no parentheses or there's no asterisks to where you go to the bottom of the book of Mark and begin to read exclusions to this, except for these people. Christ wanted all people to hear the message of the gospel and to be saved. And God wanted the nation of Assyria, as wicked as they were and as hard as they had treated Israel, He wanted them to hear this message. That's God's call to every disciple, to, to share the gospel as we are going with every single person that we come in contact with, that God opens doors, and those especially that God opens the doors immediately he gives us those special leadings, just those open doors of opportunity to share with. I'll remind you that the book of James, chapter 4, verse number 17, says, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. When we refuse to do what God has called us to do, it's sin. So often we think of sin just as what we commit, sins of commission. But friend, there's also sins of omission, not doing what God has called us to. And Jonah wasn't going to respond to this call in a positive way. God said, arise, and God said, go, because Nineveh's wickedness had come up before him. But verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. From where Jonah was, Nineveh was east, and Tarshish was west. In order to fulfill what God was calling him to do, he had to begin to move east to get to that city of Nineveh to share the message of repentance and judgment with the people. But instead, the Bible says he arose uh, and he fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah rose to flee. But when, when we disobey the word and the will of God, friend, we're breaking fellowship with God. And so he thought he could flee from the presence of God, which you never really can. But really, he was breaking fellowship with his action. Disobedience hinders your relationship with God. The Bible says if we regard iniquity in our heart, when we sin against God, it separates us from him in fellowship when we disobey his word and his will. And so instead of arising and going to Nineveh, he went the opposite direction. The Bible says, verse 3, he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into the ship. And so he bought a ticket to go in the opposite direction instead of where God wanted him to go. And I want you to listen to me this morning. When you fail to accept God's basic ministry calling upon your life, you will misuse and you'll misallocate the resources that God has given you to accomplish his will and his missions for your life. Now, I'm not talking about just finances. The, the money that God had given Jonah and had prospered him with to be able to go to Nineveh, he was going to misuse to go in the opposite direction. And it may be the case in our lives that we misuse the finances that God gives us to accomplish the, the, the basic cause of ministry and the, the call to live on mission. But when you fail to live on mission, you're misusing your body. You're misusing your life. You're misusing the time that God has given us on this earth between salvation and from the time that we step into His presence. You're misusing that precious resource of time to serve God and to share His message of love and opportunity if people will simply repent and trust Christ to be their Lord and their Savior. And God will hold us accountable for that as believers at the judgment seat of Christ. How we use the resources, our life, our families, our homes, our vehicles, and our finances to accomplish what it is that he has called us 
to do. And so the Bible says that he, when he came to the ship, he went down into it. Jonah just continues to go down. He continues to go away from the Word of God and from the will of God. And so he heads down into the ship to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And it still happens today. Jonah, Jonah was trying to get away from God. He wanted to get away from God's Word, to get away from God's will, because to continue to be under that brought about conviction. It, it, it brought about challenge, that he wasn't doing what God had called him to do. And people still do that today. When people fail to read God's Word every day and to pray, they're, they're running from the presence of God. They don't want to hear what God wants them to do. They don't want to hear what God commands them to do, to do and not to do. They don't want to pray because they don't want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit convicting them and leading them and, and dealing with that issue that separated them from God. And so they flee from the presence of God by not praying and by not turning to His Word. When people go to compromising churches, they attend a compromising church rather than a Bible-believing and Bible-practicing. When I say Bible-believing and Bible-practicing, I'm talking about a church that believes from Genesis to Revelation, preaches the entire and teaches the entire counsel of God's Word, and then practices it. Practices it. No matter what the cost, they do that. When people go to a compromising church rather than a Bible-believing, Bible-practicing church, what they're doing is they're fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Because they don't want to hear Sunday in and Sunday out, week in, week out, what God's Word commands them and calls them to do and to be as followers of Christ. They don't want to continually hear Luke 9, 23, the call of Christ, the basic demands of discipleship. And so they flee from the presence of the Lord. When people give ear to unbiblical counsel, they're fleeing from the presence of the Lord. They don't want to hear what the Bible says, and so they'll turn to worldly false teachers that will tell them what they want to. Jonah tried to flee from the presence of the Lord. But but why did Jonah forsake God's call? We're talking about a forsaken call. Why did, why did he do that? Well, number one, it was because of misplaced lordship. God really wasn't lord over his life. Because whatever God had called him to do, he would have done it if God was lord over all of him. And he's going to mention the covenant name of the Lord when he speaks to, to the men. He says, I, I fear the Lord. But he didn't follow the Lord. Jesus really wasn't lord over his life. And so he had, to, he had a forsaken and a misplaced, a disregarded lordship. But number two, the reason he forsook God's call is he really hated the Ninevites more than he loved God. The Bible says we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he loved the Lord, but not more than he hated the Ninevites. He hated what Assyria was, what they stood for, and what they had done to Israel. I mean, he just had a deep, hatred in his heart for these people. And because of that, he wasn't faithful to do what God had called him to do. John chapter 14 and verse number 15, Jesus says this. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus says, there's, there's a very easy definition if you say you love me. I, I love the Lord. Years past, you, know, you hear people give testimony. Just things I say, I will say I love the Lord. And then they begin to say how many years and months and weeks and days and hours and minutes and seconds it was since they got saved and they would begin to testify. And so people love the Lord. But, but Jesus says you, you can say that with your lips, but there's, really, there's, there's an easy test to show if you really do. He says, if you love me, you, you're going to keep my commandments. Verse 23 of Matthew, John 14, Jesus, says, Jesus answered and said to me, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And the Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home within him. That is, we'll abide in him because he abides in us, John 15. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but it's the Father who sent me. And so while Jonah loved the Lord, he really didn't love him. His hatred for Nineveh was really greater than his love for God. And so because of that, he forsook the call. And number three... Jonah really didn't care if every Assyrian burned in hell for all eternity. He didn't care. He really didn't. As a matter of fact, he, he begins to reveal, when we, you know, not to spoil our, our story, but in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, we're going to see Jonah's going to respond. 
and God's going to hem Jonah up. And then Jonah is still reluctantly, he's going to go to Nineveh. And he's going to preach the message. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And the Syrians, they're going to respond. The Ninevites are going to respond. And they repent. And there's visible evidence that they've repented. And in verse number 10 of chapter 3, then the Bible says, then God saw their works, that they had turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had and he was going to bring upon them, and he did not do it. But listen to what the Bible says in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He became angry. It's as if on a Sunday morning someone comes forward for salvation and somebody in the church starts getting mad that that person got saved. I mean, really, you can just see the visible, just the, the evidence come over them. Their face gets red, they start tightening their jaw, and they just become, they become angry. And, and he continues to say, so he prayed to the Lord and he said, Oh Lord God, was not this what I said when I was still in my country. Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, listen, for I know that you're a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah said, I wish now you would kill me, because I cannot stand to see that these Syrians have experienced your grace rather than going to hell. And that's why he forsook the call. He really didn't care if they got saved, you say, well, man, that never happened today. Really? You know, search, our, search your heart over that. You know, God, I'll, God I'll, I'll share the gospel with this person, but not her. Because she said this about me. She wronged me. She did this. She hurt me. And so, I mean, God, I want to see all people saved, but really, not her. Not, not him, especially not him. What he did to my family, what he did to me, what he cost us, how they live, what they believe. And, and God, we want all people to be saved, but, but God, really not them. Because we know what they celebrate. We know, we know how they live. Rather, God, than sending your grace down on them, send hellfire and brimstone, God. I mean, God, just treat them like Sodom and Gomorrah and kill them all and you sort it out. That's the heart Jonah had. And that's the heart a lot, a lot of God's people have today, especially in the political climate we're living in. And that's the reason a lot of people refuse and are reluctant to share the gospel, because they'll be honest, they've misplaced God's lordship. They really don't love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, because their hate for somebody's greater. And really, there's just apathy. They don't care if somebody goes to hell. I'm telling you, friend, in the years that I've been involved in ministry, no one, never... Not once has anyone ever come to me after a service or at any point at any time and just said, I am so burdened and broken that nobody's being saved or this service happened, this person didn't get saved. It just doesn't happen. But pettiness, well, we've heard that. But where's the brokenness over lostness that leads to action? Jonah didn't have it. I'd submit the church doesn't have it today. And God, send a revival that begins in me and spreads out that there'll be a brokenness over lostness that leads us to action. And so the question really to ask this morning is, God, am I responding with faithfulness to your call? The moment I trusted you to be Lord of my life, you placed a mandate upon my life to share the gospel within my sphere of influence and to be a part of missions in all places. God, am I, am I doing my part? Or like Jonah, am I reluctant to respond to your call? Number two, notice, not only a, a forsaken call, but a, a foolish thought. A foolish thought. Jonah decided that he would go west instead of east. But look at verse number four, but, but the Lord. God called Jonah, verse three, but Jonah. He went the other direction. He thought, well, I'll just flee from God's presence. Verse 4, the sovereignty of God. But the Lord. The ship departed. Jonah's down in the belly of the ship. He's ready to take a nap. He could care less that God's about to drop a bomb on Nineveh. His only heartache is that he won't be there to see it happen. And so he gets, but the Bible says, but the Lord sent out a great wind upon the sea. God wasn't through. How foolish to think he could escape from the presence of the Lord. 
And while many people seek to depart from the presence of the Lord by turning away from His Word and turning away from ministries where the Word of God is preached, taught, and exhorted, and by turning to foolish counsel, friend, you really can't flee from the all-seeing, all-knowing presence of the Lord. The psalmist in Psalm 139, he knew this truth. He said it this way. He says, O Lord, you search me. You've known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You've hedged me behind and before you laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. I can't understand it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea... Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. The psalmist says there's nowhere that you can go, not even in the belly of a ship heading to Tarshish, to hide from the presence of the Lord. What a foolish thought that he had to think that he could escape from the presence of the Lord. And so God sent out a great wind, verse 3. And then the Bible says, verse 4, and then there was a tempestuous uh, wind that blew and a storm began to break out. God's going to hem Jonah up so he can get his attention. I want you to listen to me this morning. Don't make God drive you to your knees to get your attention. The Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. My friend, if God calls you to do something and you rebel against that, God's not going to let you escape from that responsibility. You're, you're going to be accountable to Him and don't make Him bring you to your knees. God's really going to hem Him up uh, to, 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 to get His attention and to try to lead Him and to deal with Him, to cause Him to turn. And so if you've never been saved, listen, don't make God bring you to your knees to a place to where you have to turn and trust him in that moment. Do it, friend, while, while he's tenderly speaking to your heart and drawing you. And child of God, whatever it is that God calls you to do and is calling you to do, be faithful to do it because you may escape uh, what, what God is calling you to do, but you can't escape God and you can't escape your responsibility to God. You can flee from the responsibility, but you can't flee from being responsible to God. He's going to deal with you. So don't be a hard head. Deal with the Lord and respond to Him in the tenderness of a right relationship. Because as a believer, when you do, uh, when, you, when you turn from the Lord and you forsake what He's calling you to do, you then run the risk of, number three, a forfeited testimony. A forfeited testimony. You can't run from God. He's going to be there, and you're going to have to deal with him, and you're going to have to be accountable to him, if not in this life, in the next, at the judgment seat of Christ. But sadly, when you do that, you run the risk, number three, of a forfeited testimony. It's been wisely said, you may not live long enough to get your testimony back because it takes a long time to build a godly testimony. Well, what is a testimony? Your testimony as a believer, as a disciple, as someone who there's been a point in your life where you've repented and trusted Christ, your testimony is the sum total of the life that you live out. Not, not some fake facade that you create just on Sunday and just on Wednesday when you're around church, but it's, it's the real you it's, it's the sum total of all your speech, your actions, and your lived-out priority. That is your testimony. Your lived-out life defines who you are. It's, it's, it's really who you are. It's not about what you believe. What you live out is really what you believe. That's your testimony, what, what you, you live out. And Jonah's testimony right now, was an individual who didn't care about Assyria, who had turned from the lordship of God. He didn't really care if, really if Assyria went to hell, and he's fled 
from the presence of the Lord, and he's in the belly of a ship going in the opposite direction, completely away from the will of God and the Word of God and what God has called him to do. And the Bible says in verse number 4 that this storm comes, but the Lord sent a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, and the ship was about to be broken up. The storm comes, and listen, it's all Jonah's fault. The reason that there's not smooth sailing for the rest of all these individuals, it's all because of Jonah's disobedience. He brought this, not only upon himself, but on everyone. His disobedience brought the hardship. And so now the ship's coming apart, and, and the crew, they become, they become afraid. The, the Bible says in verse number 5 that the mariners, they were afraid. And every man began to cry out to his God, little G-O-D. Whoever it was that they worshipped, whatever the idols represented, man, they started crying out. They knew, that, they knew that what they were experiencing and the help they needed was absolutely beyond their control. And so they began to cry out to their, to their gods, and they, it starts affecting them now financially too. They start throwing all the cargo, look at verse number 5, into the sea to lighten the load. But the man that had the answer, the man that had the message of where hope and peace that passes all understanding, the, the man who knew the God, who could speak peace be still, what's he doing? He's asleep. He's absolutely, in, 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 in the time when, when someone needed to hear a word of comfort, when someone needed to hear a word of hope, when someone needed to hear a word of how they could find peace in their heart, he's asleep. And, and we submitted several weeks ago that the reason the country's in the shape that's in is because the church has been asleep. Like Eutychus in the, in the book of Acts, we've just found a nice comfy spot all these past years and who we are and what we do, and the church has slept away in the day of opportunity to witness and sow the seeds of the gospel. While the world is perishing in their sins, the church has been asleep. And so there's Jonah. He's, he's gone down to the lowest part of the ship and lain down and is, and is fast asleep. And the Bible says in verse number 6 that while everybody else is working and everyone else is praying and everyone else is doing the best that they know how to do in their ignorance, the captain came to him and shook him and said, What do you mean, sleeper? How, how is it that you can sleep? Arise, call on your God, perhaps your God will consider us that we may not perish. Now, this isn't like when the disciples were sailing across the Sea of Galilee when Jesus commanded them to go and Christ was asleep and he, they woke him up and he says, Why, why are you so frustrated? They were in the will of God where they were supposed to be. They were sailing on the path where they should be going, and Jesus was in the boat with them. So there was no reason for them to be excited because they were with Christ and they were in the will of Christ. Jonah was fleeing from God, and he was out of God's will. He had every reason to panic and to be upset and to be doubting what was going to happen because he had completely removed himself from the protective hand and the blessing of God and the safety of being in his perfect will. And so Jonah's asleep, and the, the captain begins to question him. He says, what do you mean? He says, arise, call on your God. Perhaps, the, perhaps your, our gods aren't working. They were like the, the false prophets of Jezebel in 1 Kings 18. Says, our gods must be asleep, but call on yours. See if he will consider us. That, that we won't, they won't perish. Why, why aren't you praying? Why aren't you acting? Verse number 7 says, And so they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. Literally, they, they started uh, a means of discerning who it was that this happened, you know, what the chances would be. And, and the lot, the chance fell on Jonah. Verse number 8 says, And they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause has this trouble come upon us? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And, and what people are you? You know, what, what is going on? Why is this happening to us? You know, we, we can read the weather. Friend, listen, in those days, if you wanted to know whether it was going to rain or whether it was going to be sunny, ask a mariner. They knew. They knew that when to sail and when not to. 
He said, look, everything seemed perfect, but now all of a sudden something's out of the ordinary. What's going on? Why is this happening? It was happening because of Jonah. It was happening because of Jonah's rebellion and disobedience and the sin that he had brought, not only in his life, but the effects of it into their lives. Listen to me. Your sin and your rebellion never affects just you. It affects everybody that's in your sphere of influence. When you disobey God as a disciple, it doesn't affect just you. It affects your family. It affects all those that God has given you opportunity to minister into their lives. It affects everyone. It affects the church. It affects everybody. It's never just you. And that's what Satan wants you to think is, well, if I do this, it's just going to affect me. He doesn't. Eve probably thought in Adam that, that if, they, if they ate of the tree, it would only affect them. But the Bible says, by one man entered, entered the world and death by sin. It didn't affect just them. It affected all of us. And so when the church fails to be faithful to what God has called it to do, it doesn't affect just the church that we receive God's chastisement. It affects the whole world. Everywhere that we have the opportunity to share the gospel and be a great commission church, and not only to share, but to disciple. I've told you one of the, one of the greatest sins of the church is not failure to evangelize, but to disciple, to raise up baby believers and to grown, meat-eating, reproducing, penetrating, salt and light disciples. Failure to do that. And when we don't do that, it affects the world around us. Jonah's rebellion had affected them, and they wanted to know what was going on. Verse 8, and asked him, he said, look, man, who are you? Who are you? Well, Jonah told them. He's like, well, I'm, I'm a Hebrew. I'm, I'm one of God's children. One of the ones that, you know, God told Abraham, I've got a mission through you. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. Through you shall find me so the world be blessed. The, the, the one where God said in Exodus 19 and verse number 6, you're going to be a kingdom of priests for me. You're going to be my representatives to share my word and my love. That's, that's who I am. But he had failed to live up to his name. He, he wasn't living up to who he said he was. And, and, and they had enough sense to know that Y'all to obey God. Look what the Bible says in verse number 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said to him, Why have you done this? Because the Bible says, For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord, because he told them. He told them that he had fled from God. And they're like, Well, why'd you do that? Friend, listen, even a lost person's got enough sense to know that y'all to obey what you say you believe. And Jonah had failed to live up to his, to his name. You know, that, that brings about some questions that I ought to ask myself this morning. You ought to ask yourself, you know, what, what's your testimony? Not, not what you've created or the facade that you want everybody to believe, but what's the truth? Who's the real you? What's, what's your, what, is, what do the some actions, the lived out truths and actions of your life, will they really reflect about you? What's your, what is your testimony? What's the real you? Are you living up to your name? You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts that they were first called Christians at Antioch. That, that is, that, that the people of that community, the lost people, they saw how these individuals who'd responded to God's grace and the gospel, how their lives had changed, how they were now followers of Christ, even amid all the persecution and hardship. They said, man, those, those are Christians. Those are Christ-like people. Those are followers of Christ. I'm wondering, are you living up to that today? Does, does the sum total of your life and your actions, your testimony, really live up to your name? And, and, and if you are, listen, I want to share, don't lose it in these days. Don't get called up being frustrated and uh, turning to bitterness because of the shape of our world and lose your testimony. Keep moving forward for Christ in faithfulness. And if you have failed, and if you have forfeited your testimony, like Jonah had, I mean, he had lost it. He had no, his name was mud now. He had lost his testimony. If, if you failed and you forfeited through Christ's mercy and His grace, experience number four, a fresh start. Experience a fresh start. Friend, listen. That's one of the great things about God's grace and about the gospel. It's not only you can have a fresh start, but you can have a fresh start over 
and over again. And that's not God's plan, that we fall and, and then we experience revival. And then we sin and fall and we experience it. God's plan is that we have a steady upward growth in Jesus Christ. But if you do fail, if God does bring judgment and chastisement to bring you to repentance, then repent. Call upon the Lord and experience a fresh start in Him. And that always begins, always, 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 and first with repentance. Repentance, that's agreeing with God, concurring and confession, and then change. Fruit that, that bears, as John the Baptist said, a life change that really shows that repentance has happened. And so just agreeing with God and then confessing it and then change taking place through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Look what happened in Jonah's life. So he said to them, now remember, get the picture. You know, they're, they're not sitting tied up to the dock on a sunny day with zero winds. They're out on the sea. Water's coming over. The ship is creaking. Nails are starting to come out of boards. Water's leaking through the cracks. Men are probably becoming sick. People are crying out, they're screaming, and the wind is blowing. You can barely hear Jonah speak. And they're asking, why have you done this? Man, we're about to die. And the ship's just going up and down, up and down, up and down, crashing. And the Bible says in verse number 12, he said to them, he said, look, pick me up, throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. Now listen, for I know that this great tempest is because of me, of me. He didn't blame it on the Ninevites. He didn't blame it on God. He, he didn't come up with some excuse as to why he couldn't be faithful. He said, the reason that this has happened, he says, is because of me. He didn't tell them that it was a big misunderstanding. Listen, listen really, the, the reason is, God, there's just a misunderstanding between me and God. No. He owned it. He said, the reason that this has happened, he says, it's because of me. Friend, listen, if, if you've drifted away from God, if you've lost your testimony, if you stand in need of revival as a believer today, you're never going to experience God's reviving touch until you deal with the sin and you own it. You know, and that's the thing about our culture. This is America, a land of the offended. Every problem that we have, you just blame it on somebody else. You never have to take any personal responsibility for anything that you do. Just blame it on somebody else. Just point the finger another direction. When it comes to sin... When it comes to experience God's reviving touch on your life, you've got to own it. You're never going to be saved. If you're, if you're listening today and you're lost in your sin, you're never going to be saved until you agree with God that you're a sinner. You have to agree with God. And you have to own it and say, I've done this. That's where it begins. And then you turn by faith and you trust Christ. As a believer, you're never going to experience revival until you own it. Say, so God, I've chosen to not respond to your word and to rebel against what what you've called me to do. Whatever it is, whatever brought about the separation between you and God, you've got to deal with it. And Jonah did. He owned it. He owned it. God had commanded. He had disobeyed. He said, it's because of me. I did this. But notice in verse number 13, even after he tells them, look, throw me in. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. Nevertheless, verse 13, the men rode hard to return to land. They wouldn't do it. But they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous. Listen, the men had more concern for Jonah than Jonah had for them and the Assyrians. He didn't care. Now he's, he's had a moment of brokenness, and he's beginning to repent, and he's, he, he owns it. But we're going to see, really, as we go forward next week into our text, how shallow his repentance really was. But these lost men had more of a burden for him than Jonah did for the nation of Assyria. They, would, they didn't want to throw him in. The Bible says in verse number 14, they started praying to God for help. So God, help us, help us save this man. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. They said, God, we've done all we can. Don't hold us responsible. Friend, I want you to know when, through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you have sought to witness and to build relationships and to disciple, 
to be faithful to whatever God's calling is upon your life, dependent upon the Holy Spirit, letting Him minister through you. And you've done all that you can do. You can rest in knowing, friend, that it's on the individual that you sought to witness to how they respond to the positive or to the negative. That's how these men were praying. Say, God, don't lay this to our charge. And you say, well, you know, I'm just... I've never felt the, the need to witness, and I'm not wired that way, and whatever excuse it is that you've bought into. For I want to share with you a word from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 3, how, what God has to say about our responsibility when it comes to witnessing. That is this. He commands you as a believer, when you trust Him, to be Lord of your life. From that moment on, you are to be His ambassador. You're responsible, I'm responsible to live on mission every day seeking opportunities to engage people with the gospel, to give a, not only a lifestyle witness, that is to live out what we believe, but also to give a verbal witness. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word, to share with people what the Word of God says it takes to be saved and to invite them to turn and trust Christ. And when we fail to do that, this is what the Bible has to say, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18. He said this to Ezekiel upon his commission. He says, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, and his blood I'll require at your hand. God says, when I tell you to tell someone that they're wicked and they're lost and they need to turn and you don't do it, well, that person's going to die in their sin if they don't respond to what they don't know. They can't respond to what they don't know. And God says, I'm not going to hold them responsible. I'm going to hold you responsible. And friend, I'm telling you, the church has blood on their hands. We've, we've programmed and bus tripped and socialized and had every kind of food eating you can have at the church while a lost and dying world's going to hell, and we don't give a rip. We're focused on our club and our wants and our desires, burping the brotherhood, pampering the WMU, taking care of our kingdom on our campus, and God's called the church to be a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. That's the mission of the church. And the church is going to have blood on its hands. But friend, you've got to make sure you don't have individual blood on your hands. And it is that you seek to faithfully fulfill what God has called you to do. Not be a reluctant witness, but to be a faithful witness. Because when you faithfully tell people, and you share, and you fulfill the callings upon your life, inside the church and outside the church that God has called you to do, this is what God says about you in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 3, in verse number 19. He says, Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. He says, But you shall be delivered. He says, It won't be your responsibility it will fall on him. And so every person we have had an opportunity to witness to and yet failed to do so, if they die in their sin, God will hold us accountable. He'll hold us accountable. That's what the Bible says. So Jonah owns it. He does. He says, I did this. This storm and this, this hardship, he says, it's all because of me. And the Bible says in verse number 15, they chunked him in. Look at verse 15. It says, so they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. And look what the Bible continues to say. How interesting. Verse number 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they took vows. Maybe it was Jonah's humility in the moment. Maybe it was in the midst of the storm that Jonah began to own the sin and he didn't try to pass the buck, but he said, look, I've failed. I've not lived up to my name. I've not done what I was supposed to do. Maybe it was, maybe it was just his repentance and his humility that influenced them to say, man, did you see the change in humility in that guy's life? He serves the one true God. And they turned and serve the one true God. And I just wonder what would happen if some Christians who have forsaken God's call would just make an open and a public confession, maybe down at the workplace, to their family, to a neighbor, in the life of the church, and to say, look, I've not been what God wanted me to be. And that's a witness. 
I failed to do that. I've, 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 I've received every excuse. I've written every excuse. And though there was no life left in it as to why I can't share the gospel and build relationships with people and invite them to turn and trust Christ. And so I just want to say to you, my neighbor, I want to say to you, my fellow colleagues in the workplace, that, that I've failed. I've failed. And, and, and I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm going to live on mission. I'm going to live on mission in the church and outside the church. What would happen if that would Friend, I believe the world is ripe and waiting for the church to just be the church, to cut away all of the foolishness that we have attached to it that has no eternal significance whatsoever and just get busy doing faithfully what God has called us to do. What would happen if the world saw that? And the church just made a confession and said, look, we've not been the church, but from henceforward, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to be faithful to do what God has called us to do. They responded to it. But who might it reach? Who might it influence? If you've not been doing what God called you to do, if you just went and told them or stood up and said, I'm going to start living for the Lord the way I'm supposed to. I'm going to be faithful to do what He's called me to do, and that's live on mission every day. What would happen? Well, look what the Bible says in verse number 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. The fish was just down there under the, while the ship was going up and down and up and down, what Jonah couldn't see, there was a great sea monster of some kind that was down there just circling, just circling around the ship, just waiting. God had prepared it. The fish had more sense to obey God than Jonah did. A plant's going to have more sense. A worm's going to have more sense. The wind, the waves, a vehement wind, they all obey God. But Jonah didn't. But now he begins to repent. And God has this great fish prepared. And they're going to chunk Jonah over as soon as he hits the water. Bam! I mean, he smacks him and swallows him down. And the Bible says for three days and three nights, God's going to have him hemmed up to deal with him and to try to call him toward total repentance. Jonah's going to have the opportunity for a fresh start. And we're going to see next week how really Jonah's going to respond. But how will you respond today? See, God prepared a great fish for Jonah to bring him to a place of repentance. And God's prepared this service. He prepared a song that he laid on Peggy's heart. He prepared this message today that he knew would be shared and preached to you so that you might have the opportunity to respond. How are you going to respond to salvation? Has there ever been a moment that you've turned and trusted Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life? If not, friend, quit running from the Lord. Turn to Him today with brokenness and humility. Turn from your sin to Christ in saving faith. Don't turn from the Lord. Turn to Him. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to save you. He wants to give you spiritual life and life now, friend, that's better than you can ever imagine. But you've got to respond to him. If you've never done that, do it right now. Respond with faith. Just bow your head and close your eyes wherever you're at and pray just like this. Dear God, forgive me a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And right now as I turn from my sin... I turn to you. I'm not fleeing from your presence. I'm running toward you. I'm casting all my faith on what Jesus did on the cross as a payment for my sin. And I want you to be Lord of my life. That's my decision today. If you prayed that prayer, you asked Christ to come in your heart to be Lord of your life. Call us. Email us. We want to know about that because we want to come alongside you and encourage you what God wants to do next in your life. What's your testimony? Are you faithfully doing what God has called you to do as a believer, and that's to live on mission? He's called everybody. If you've been reluctant in that, won't you experience a fresh start today? Heed the words of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 3. Joshua said this, Now therefore he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. An idol is anything that you love 
and are more devoted to than God. Whatever it is that has kept you from loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and being obedient to what He's called you to do, put it away. Be that hatred. Be that fear. Whatever it is that you, you've got all these things you think that you, you just don't have time to witness. Give that time to God. Cut away all those things. Put away the idols and serve the Lord. Heed God's call today and respond to Him. Don't be reluctant. Father, we pray that you will lead our church family in these days. Father, I pray that the sum testimony of this church will be made up of believers who love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God, we're committed to being a Great Commission church, reaching, teaching, encouraging, not just in word because the words roll off our tongue easy. But not only here at church, but away from the church house, God, we're representing you in all places. We're strategically trying to build relationships with people where we can intersect their lives with the gospel and lead them to a place that they'll turn and trust you to be Lord of their life. That God, we're doing our part in discipleship, not only here at the church, but away from the church. We're encouraging other believers and those that we've helped see come to Christ to grow in you and to grow in your word. We're showing them how to, to, to faithfully do all things whatsoever you've commanded us because we're teaching them and we're living out those truths. And God, we're seeking to be an encouragement to others. God, might that be our testimony, the sum lived out truth of our actions as a body of believers. Father, we pray for our president, we pray for our vice president, senators and congressmen and women. Pray for those who don't know you, God, that you'll continue to deal with them, to fool with them. God, we pray there'll be men and women most miserable, truly, till they turn and trust you that through that relationship, God, they might be able to effectively lead our country in accordance with your word and your perfect will. And God, help us to intersect them if we have opportunity, but others with the gospel. And pray that you'll send others into their path that will tell them how they can turn and know the one true living God who has reached out to mankind through his precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the answer to all of man's problems. Father, we pray that you'll keep us safe in these days. God, I pray we'll demonstrate to our neighbor how much we do love them by doing our part uh, as we try to fight this virus, trusting you to bring it to a desired end. Give us opportunities this week. Pray we'll have a great time with you daily, God, as we turn to your word and precious times of prayer. And Father, we pray you'll keep us safe, each one, till we gather together again uh, by way of internet and through these ministries this Wednesday night, accordance with your will and plan uh, this Wednesday evening. Keep us safe till we're together again. Guide us and lead us. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. Uh, we're praying for you. You pray for us. Uh, the deacon body and myself will be meeting uh, sometime this week uh, to discuss. We've been praying as to when we will begin uh, on campus, on property ministry here in the gymnasium again. So you pray for us as we continue to look at the numbers of how, again, we can safely and effectively uh, begin ministry here on the church property again. I trust you have a great week in the Lord. Call us if you need anything, and we'll be praying for you. You pray for us until this Wednesday evening at 630. May God richly bless you is our prayer.